when we came up with this idea of doing a series of in-depth interviews with really extraordinary people, we started thinking about whom we should try to get and whom we should ask. And we thought about the usual political figures, Obama, the Dalai Lama. And I kept coming back to the idea of interviewing the person I really wanted to interview. And that was Billy Joel. And the reason is that I've been in love with his music ever since I was a teenager growing up in India. What we now look at as your last rock album, did you think it was going to be your last? I didn't realize it till I got to the end. In the beginning, there was the cold and the night. Prophets this was written looking forward to the year 2000, when everything was going to be great and the the world was going to change and there was going to be no more war. And, and I realized how naive I was to have written that. All things will be brand new after 2,000 years. Like we, by then we will have learned better and we didn't. And, and things didn't change. Things got what seemed to be worse. And I recognized I'm not a, a prophet. I'm not a philosopher. I'm just a dumb piano player. So I, it's time for me to shut up. And that's exactly what he did. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. In the beginning, there was the cold and the night. Prophets and angels gave us the fire and the light. Man was triumphant, armed with the faith and the will. But even the darkest ages couldn't kill. Too many kingdoms, too many flags on the field, so many battles. Hi, all, and welcome to another episode of Billy Joel A to Z. You know, the really great thing about the way we've run this podcast in its alphabetical madness is that last week we did a song from Billy's first album, and in our very next episode, we get to discuss a song from the final album. And that's a lot of fun for us and hopefully for you. So get ready as we go from starting his career to knowing full well he was finished with today's song and final tea song in our podcast entitled 2000 years. 2000 years is not only the penultimate song off of his 12th and final studio album, river of dreams, but his penultimate song ever 2000 years is the ninth song that precedes the transparent famous last words. 2000 Years was only released as a B-side to something called Lullaby, which <laughs> was, uh, thank you, which was released on March 26th, 1994. This song also appears on a 
Take a guess, Alon. One of the live albums. I bet it's the Millennium Concert. It is, of course. 2,000 years, the Millennium Concert. And I am assuming, judging by the track listing, it was played at exactly 11.53 p.m. December 31st, 1999, as the live version runs for six minutes and two seconds, leaving enough time for a countdown and then that stupid Auld Lang Syne song. Yes, we'll get to that. So, our boys, we have a Newsday ranking and a New York Magazine ranking, and they are a little out of whack today. Where do you believe Alan Altman, Christopher Bonanos from New York Magazine, places 2,000 years out of 121 songs? I feel like he's going to put this one pretty low down there. Uh, he's not a very sentimental guy, and he's going to say that these lyrics are naive and don't age well, things like that. So I'm going to say 102. What'd you do? Look this up before we started, or you decided no, you like just don't want to guess anymore? I mean, it's not that you were, I mean, first of all, you were you were pretty close to the number. It's 90. But right. you, he said the exact same thing you said. He's reaching for something philosophical and trying for a big idea, but it doesn't quite get there. And the lyrics wander. So you were right on board with that. Glenn Gamboa puts it at 46. That's a lot of he goes. Few artists have ever been so forthcoming about their plans to step away from recording. But Joel clearly looked to sum up his career as a songwriter with this epic roundup about the world and the more personal famous last words. It's a testament to his songwriting, how well the songs worked together. And separately. I like that. That's why I read his thing today is blurb and the fans rank it at 82. But I have to say, if I was ranking this, I, I don't remember this song at all. I don't remember it at all. I didn't remember when I heard it. I didn't remember what it sounded like when I saw it on the listing. I really enjoyed it very much. I would rank it a little higher. I'd rank it maybe in the middle where Glenn Gamboa put it because it's kind of an important song. It's kind of. We know it's, again, him wrapping up the career, but also wrapping up the world, just like Glenn Gamboa said. But it is kind of funny in the sense that it is the guy loves talking about history. And it's not we didn't start the fire instead of 40 years. He's going 2000 years and truly starting from the very beginning 2000 years ago or maybe more. I feel like he's talking about like apes. Like uh, like the, the the like two thousand and one a space odyssey. Like he watched that, and he's starting with the the monolith at the uh, at the beginning of time. Yeah, I mean, he starts with the first line is in the beginning there was the cold and the night. He's basically starting at like the beginning of the book of Genesis. So he really is going back to like the beginning of time. Two thousand years just sounds good, but uh, so you would put this like Gamboa top fifty? You think? Uh you know, I'm I'm in, yeah. I gotta rethink. It's like I. I got to get into it more. The more I listen to it, when I listen back to the podcast again, maybe see if when this is how I know when I like a song, if I'm listening to the podcast and I stop it in the middle and want to hear the song again, then I know I'm kind of digging it. So I got to check, but I kind of like the message and I like the fact that it's a wrap up to, to the, to the end wrap up. <laughs> I like that. There's a preliminary wrap up to the wrap up. Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually, because Famous Last Words is a very personal wrap up just to his own little career, basically. But this is the song that's right before it, like you said. And this one's a much grander wrap up like, man, like we've come so far in this world and now we're on the cusp of this new millennium. 
who knows what it's going to be. It's, it's really kind of like him saying goodbye, but like, good luck. The world has good things to look forward to everybody. Yeah. And that was the thing too. We always forget now that we're in it in 2022 or three or whatever, that we forget how everyone was excited about it. Turning 2000. Everybody was, I mean, it was very, very exciting. And this is only in 1994. So you were writing stuff about the year 2000 and what was going to happen or what things would be like, because it was so futuristic. I mean, I all I have to do is play that Bugs Bunny clip again. that I always play where uh, when you hear the tone, you will be 2000. And it just seemed so futuristic. You couldn't help yourself. Not people we've ever, we're never going to know what happened in 999 AD you know, when people were alive for that millennial. So we we're the only generation that got to experience it. It is exciting. And I could see writing about it. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. Cause like, obviously Billy knew this was the end of his career. Cause I think most other artists would have been like, I'll wait till one of my 1999 albums to write some song about, you know, the millennium really. But Billy was like seven years, six years in advance. He was like, I better get it out now. Cause this is it for me. Yeah, and it's all, of course, it makes too, too much of a sense to. I had no idea it was on the 2000 millennial concert, but duh, uh, that makes the most sense in the whole world. And interesting to play it before the new year. Uh, that was surprising. I, I, it's an odd, it's, it's not an odd choice. It, it does make sense when now that we hear it, but it certainly isn't a fan favorite. Nobody really knows it. Now I now that I've heard it live, I wouldn't mind hearing it live on concert. I kind of like it a lot, but an odd choice to play to be festive on New Year's before yeah. the New Year. Right, because that was a concert he played. It was like a really long set list. He could have obviously put this song in. It belongs in that concert because of its subject matter. But like, why is this the song that's right before the countdown? That was an interesting choice because he has other songs you know, I've loved these days or one of his classic like hit songs could have gone there. But to pick this one was a little bit strange. And I don't know. Did you watch the video of him playing this at the Millennium concert? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was amazing how close the timing was because he literally wrapped this song up as the countdown was at like six. Like there was no if they if they went a little bit longer, he would have just missed the countdown for everybody in MSG. So when I was writing down my notes, I hadn't seen the video yet. And I just knew that this was played before on Lang Syne on the on the record. So I figured out the time myself. And then I actually took down the t- like I said, I think I said 1153 in the opening because I said that gives them time to go. But then when I saw the live there, I'm like, wow, I, I think it was actually 1154 or 1153 and 58 seconds that he did time it down to the wire. Yeah, because he goes, let's get a countdown. And all of a sudden, they're like, three, two, one. It's like they were there. It just happened so fast. Give me a countdown.
Yeah, again, I've been at a Billy Joel New Year's Eve concert, and it certainly is a lot of fun. I want to say I don't understand the reason for playing this before, but I guess it does totally make sense. It does. You know what? It makes perfect sense. It does make sense. Uh, so has he ever played this before or since? Yeah, he didn't play it a lot. He played it uh, twice on the River of Dreams tour only, but then he played it 10 times in December of 1999. Okay, that okay, that makes so much sense. Right. Of course, he plays a little bit in the River Dreams tour and then, of course, all through 1999. So he's never played it after 2000. Yeah, so that was it. That's or... that's the end. Maybe in the year 3000, he might bring it out again. His his cyborg hologram <laughs> version of himself. Right. Uh, well, no, and then it would just be useless. Then it's that it doesn't it's not relevant anymore. <laughs> He'll change the lyric <laughs> to three thousand. You know, he does that kind of stuff. I do know he does that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just I am surprised. I I really enjoy the song, and it's a little festive and sad at the same time. So I wouldn't mind seeing this in concert. I wonder if he could kind of still hit these notes at this point in time. It well, he can, kind of... but they can transpose it so he can. Yeah, it's pretty bombastic. How dare you use that term in front of me? <laughs> yeah, we, let's go over the lyrics. I think they're pretty cool, actually. In the beginning, there was the cold in the night. Like you said, prophets and angels gave us the fire and the light. Man was triumphant, armed with the faith and the will. Even the darkest ages couldn't kill. That when he says the darkest ages, that's a reference to the dark ages. Do you think so? Because I wasn't getting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then I, I like that. it Then it goes into kind of more of like a all the way to like the 1500s, I think. And it just passes through too many kingdoms, too many flags on the field, so many battles, so many wounds to be healed. Time is relentless. Only true love perseveres. It's been a long time. And now I'm with you after 2000 years. Nice. That's nice. And actually, I looked up what he meant when he said only true love perseveres. That's a reference to his marriage to Elizabeth. You're jo you're just saying that <laughs> you're joking, right? Uh, you know, he looked back on it and said, you know you what? Mother, she was the one. How dare you she mention was the her one. name when it's not warranted. Fete toi. <laughs> uh, this is our moment here at the crossroads of time. We hope our children carry our dreams down the line. They are the vintage. What kind of life will they live? Is this a curse or a blessing that we give? Yeah, a lot of that's a heavy. It's a lot of pressure. That's like doing the thing where you're like, well, the the children will figure out uh, global warming and they'll figure out how to stop all these wars or sickness. He put it said all on Alexa. Well, that comes up actually later. You, uh, the there's another paragraph, and then it goes. There will be miracles after the last war is won. Science and poetry rule in the new world to come. <laughs> Prophets and angels gave us the power to see what an amazing future there will be. Yeah, science and poetry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, Sting wrote in his river song all this time where the river runs. And so it, it's a river song, too. Around the same time, wrote science and progress, science and progress. I remember because I know that song really well. Uh, meanwhile, one of the things about this song, and I, you must have noticed it for the past, I don't know, three episodes. There's three episodes in the last 10 episodes we've done where we've been talking about that. This is an Irish like song. Yes. And, and I have and I know you're, you're with me on this and I have not noticed any of that. He just says it. And maybe there's a 
a little wink to it or whatever. But this one really sounds like a nod to an Irish song. I mean, it's it's right out of that what, that, that, that Pogue song, the Christmas one. You know that one? No. It's like a really famous Christmas song by the Pogues. It's uh it's called Fairy Tale of New York. I can see a better time when all our dreams come true. dirty and crazy but real irish like and that's what this one sounds like i mean boy it's really got like you can picture a little leprechaun dancing on the stage while they're playing it yeah well speaking of that you know that part that you're talking about this irish sounding part after he says two thousand years to me speaking of little leprechauns that reminds me of like in munchkin land in the wizard of oz when they're like, we welcome you to Munchkin Land. So like, la, 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 la. Like, there, there's some similarity to that. And it just, like, puts me into a weird Wizard of Oz space. Huh. I never thought about that. That's interesting. You'll be hissed. You'll be hissed. You'll be You'll hissed. Be history. I found this awesome video on YouTube today, actually, because I was looking up Wizard of Oz music and they have a version of those guys singing the Lollipop Guild song, but the real they're real voices. No. Yeah. So uh, obviously they they dubbed it over to make it sound more. Yeah. I don't know. Cartoonish, but like it exists. You can hear them. Are you sure somebody's not messing with you that you're positive? That's the real voices. It's the real thing. And they sound pretty good. It sounds fine. They should have left their voices in. Yeah, but nobody left. The only voice I think they left in and the Wizard of Oz was Judy Garland's and Ray Bolger's. I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, back then they they dubbed everyone's voice. I wonder <laughs> if the Good Witch of the of the of the North uh, actually sang her own songs that uh, whatever her name is, Billy something or other Billy Squire. It wasn't Billy Squire, but it should have been. That would have been much more fun. You just start singing Stroke in 1939. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? <laughs> rock me tonight my favorite <laughs> lonely is the night that's my favorite yeah well that guy had it all until music video came around and it destroyed him those are the best kind of stories people that just yeah. couldn't put it together on video it's just you know it's very much like the invention of sound this happens all the time i bet when like they first had like popular songs with lyrics in them people were like hey Music should be instrumental. What the hell is all this? Who are it's these really opera ladies? Weird when we think about it, how closed off we are until it just kind of becomes the norm. And you can say that about streaming TV and like, no, nothing will replace network TV. 
all that kind of stuff. It's uh, fascinating how close-minded we are until somebody figures it out and brings it out to the mainstream. And they were like, I can't know how I left without it. Cell phones. No, no, no. Like my parents always said, you got to have a landline for an emergency, a landline. What have I always said? What's the first thing to go in the blackout? 9-11, the landlines. <laughs> they were wrong. How do we live without our cell phones? How did we meet up at a, at a, at a football game without cell phones? How did you meet people at Madison Square Garden? It all seems so crazy now that these kind of things were just normal, that you just didn't, you had plans. Okay, I'll see you on Thursday. And then you would just find that person on Thursday. You, you would find them. And if they weren't there, you assumed they were dead and you moved on with your day. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I was waiting for my friend, Eric. He went, we went to different high schools. We went to junior high together. So ninth grade, we were in different schools and it was like a Saturday. And it was like, I was like, let's come to my neighborhood. I'll meet you down on the corner of whatever street. And I waited for him for, uh, I don't know, like 40 minutes, didn't show up. And I went home and then I never saw him again in my life. You're I, joking. I, I talked to him afterwards and he was like, oh, I was, he said, I told him to meet him, meet me by the fine fair supermarket. And there was another fine fair, like two blocks away. And he was waiting by that one. Oh. And so we never, we could never talk to each other because there, you know, there were no pay phones around or he didn't have a quarter. Oh, there were no pay phones. Well, how old well, are you? No, I'm sorry. There were pay phones, <laughs> but like, how could he reach me? Cause I'm in the street too. No, so I he, know you have to, what you had to do is leave a message on people's machines. Yeah, but then I would get that when I finally went home. By then, he right. had already decided. Well, to no, leave. if you went to the pay, this is what I used to. You go to a payphone, you leave a message to somebody's machine, and pray that they get that message, and then they leave a message on your machine, so you could finally coordinate somehow. But yes, that didn't work very well. Yeah. So anyway, we never hung out again. We were still, you know, we were still friendly, but we never actually grew up to get together. So Fascinating. That was, that was the end of that friendship because of uh, pre-cell phone era. Yep, it happened. It's funny though. Now we're talking about kind of the millennium again, in a way we're looking at it the opposite of how Billy Joel did, because we're talking about back in the past pre-millennium and he was thinking what will happen in the future. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what happened in the future. He gave up. He left us all hanging with nothing except uh, nostalgic tunes to listen to, which of course are great, but come on, man, <laughs> throw us a bone in the future. I like you doing your Joe Biden. Come on, man. <laughs> Well, I did it a little more forceful. Yeah. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, I got one. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Billy played the song, well, we know, 2,000 Years on the 2,000 Years of the Millennium Concert live album. The album track listing, of course, leading up to the very exciting Millennium New Year, Goes like this, figuring around 11 p.m. or so. Here's the track listing. I go to extremes for some reason. Uh, Good night, Saigon, for some reason. We didn't start the fire. Big man on Mulberry Street. Yeah. And 2,000 years. Pretty much the worst set list for Dave Juskow looking to have a good time at a Billy Joel New Year's Eve concert. However, at the actual concert that did not make the album cut, he plays two songs in between Big Man on Mulberry Street and 2,000 Years. One is, and so it goes. Oy, this is a nightmare for Dave Jessica. And uh, what's the second? And which, when, when you guess it, it makes all the sense in the world going into the new millennial. Um, lullaby? I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> no, not lullaby, no. Uh, Miami, Miami, 2017. Exactly. Yes. 
two songs that deal deal with the the year 2000 2000 years and Miami 2017 that is what he played before he played 2000 years man i wish i was at that show i am so glad i was not i would have been so ang- i go to extremes good night saigon big man on mulberry street i would have been furious then having to listen to old lang syne i hate that song why he's not playing uh what's the souvenir I wouldn't understand. I'd be so mad, but hopefully I'd be so <laughs> drunk. I wouldn't even know what day it was. That's what I would hope for. You definitely would have been super wasted by this. That point. is a crappy set list for me to, to ring in the new year. It gave you more bathroom breaks to take. You would have been happy with that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go to the bathroom at that time. I'd be terrified that I would miss the, the countdown. Well, you have a watch, you know. Well, it says I have. Yeah, but I'd minutes. still be nervous. There'd be a line. I wouldn't get back. I don't know. It's too much pressure. You want to be there from eleven o'clock on for sure. You want to make sure you got into the bathroom by eleven o'clock so you can be there from eleven to one, because you assume he's going to hit it big and come out blasting after midnight. But according to the set list, I, he he didn't. And I'm telling you, I've been there on New Year's Eve when he has done it the right way. He comes in with, I think you may be right. I think right after minute, he plays all Lang Syne, and they go, and then everybody gets excited. Then I think he goes in a big shot, all the, the fast moving ones, because that's yeah. what you want. That's awesome. And I don't know, he didn't do it here. I don't know what the story, I guess he was being, I, I can't believe I made it to two. Th- I didn't think I'd make it. So I just, I didn't really make a set list. I didn't think I'd live this long. <laughs> he, he thought the, the whole world would explode. He didn't realize there was going to be more show after. Exactly. exactly. After the we all did. Countdown. Right. The planes were dropping out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> the Jumbotron and MSG just smashes on top of a thousand people. <laughs> right. Hey, Homer, weren't you the plants Y2K compliance officer? Absolutely. Must have been hard debugging all those computers, huh, Homer? Doing what now? You did fix them, right, Dad? Because even a single faulty unit could corrupt every other computer in the world. That can't be true, honey. If it were, I'd be terrified. Eight, seven, six. We want to thank Dixie brand mayonnaise. Whoa, lordy, what a mayonnaise. Three, two. That's Homer Simpson's computer. Oh, God, it's spreading. Who's going to clean up all those jets? So do you have a trivia question for me? Yes, I do. My trivia question is 2000 years is also the name of a song on the 2006 album, The Endless Wire, which was the first album in 24 years by what band? I don't know. What the fuck? I mean, what kind of question is that? (laughs) I never heard of any of those things. The Grateful Dead. Mm. I don't know. Okay, let's. uh... Can you give me a hint? That's that that question sucks. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a band that didn't have an album since 1982. They're a classic rock band. Uh, They're notable because in 1978, their famous drummer died. The Who? Yes, The Who. They had a new album come out in 2006. Yes, they did. They had a new album out in 2006 with only two, the two surviving members and some other fill-ins, including Ringo Starr's son, Zach Starkey on drums. It's a good album, actually. I like it a lot. So their last album before that was the one with Athena, 
like in 1982? It's yeah. hard. Is that it's hard? Of- That's right. And then they didn't make an album in two, 2006. And we were always making fun of them that they had the nerve to just play and not make new albums. But then we love Billy Joel for doing that, too. But I didn't know they had a new album in 2006. Did anybody know? Did they tour with it? Oh, trust me, they toured with it. They oh. love touring ever since around the year 2003. They tore a ton. Uh, it was good. They toured with it. They played a few songs off of it. It had like a mini rock opera at the end of it, too. It had like the regular album and it had like a little it was like a 15 minute version of a rock opera with like really? a lot of little snippets of songs. I can't believe and I um, that. it's good. And then they came up with another album right before the pandemic as well. Really? Yeah, they're still doing stuff. And what year did I meet Roger Daltrey at the comedy club? What year was that? It must have been in the 90s. I don't know. He still looked great. He's saying great. That's a good looking man. Yeah. And it was exciting to see him perform for a small crowd like that. Wait, he really terrific. He sang at a comedy club. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. He remind me. Well, it wasn't the it was the Boston Comedy Club right on Third Street. But downstairs was called the Sun Mountain Cafe, which is now the Zinc Bar. I was in there and the bartender goes, Dave, you're not going to believe who's coming in today. I'm I'm positive. I told the story. He goes, Roger Daltrey's coming in today. I'm like, you're lying. And uh, he goes, no, there's a guy He's in a band and he's, he, I don't know, he he likes him and he wants to, you know, show support. So he's coming in and I got really drunk. I remember that. And then he came in and I called my, well, I called my friend Lawrence and I told him, get down here now. Roger Daltrey's apparently coming in and he came in and he was sitting at the table and then the guy brought him up on stage and he's, and, and Roger Daltrey, I'll never forget Roger Daltrey goes, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. I, I just yelled out, you were born ready. And and then he sang two songs. I remember one of them was I'm I'm a man. That's why I thought we talked about it, because there's a Billy Joel song we did called I'm a man. There's only a man. Right. Yeah, I like that song. Right. That's when I think I mentioned this story. That's the only thing I can think of where I would have mentioned it. So he sang two songs. And then I saw him outside. I'm like, you really made my day. And I think he was like, uh, thanks. I think I creeped him out somehow. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, great. Another gay guy hitting on me. <laughs> well, he was good looking, but uh, it was exciting to meet somebody like that in person. Very exciting. And to have a moment and to watch him sing in a very intimate club. If you, you look online, see pictures of the zinc bar, you see how tiny it is. It's very much like the comedy cellar downstairs, Alon. Mm-hmm. So to see, you know, a hero like that, a real rock and roll legend up close like that and listen to him sing and still be good. It wasn't embarrassing or anything. It was really terrific. That's awesome. I wish I had a moment like that. You will with somebody else. Yeah, but I don't like any new groups. You know what I mean? It's going to have to be uh, someone. Actually, oh, wait, wait, here's something. Did you see this? Uh, speaking of band members showing up at comedy places, our, uh, our friend in comedy, Sheba Mason, <laughs> posted that uh, Billy Joel's guitarist and some other guy, in the band or a sound guy or something were at her show at three monkeys this week. Shut up. I swear. I saw that on Instagram and I could not believe it. Really? Yeah. Well, I can't believe why wouldn't they come back? I think they thought I was going to be there. Her father, Jackie Wicks. They must've <laughs> thought, Hey, why don't we go to this place? Cause obviously Jackie will stop by. And then the friend goes like, I think he died. No, you're never dead. It's always going to be like this. Oh, my daughter, what am I going to do with her? It's not very funny, but what are you going to do? That's a good impersonation. <laughs> well, that's why her and her mother like they just look at me with these doe eyes. They're like, oh, because they were obviously, <laughs> eh, let's not even go there.
Well, Alon, I don't know what you could possibly have planned today, but I am very excited to hear your parody to 2,000 years. Well, I'll tell you my first idea would have been to make this called 2,000 Beers. <laughs> yeah! And then I was going to just basically do a very, very long version of 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall <laughs> to the tune of this song. Excellent. But uh, that would have sucked. So uh, what my parody is called, instead of 2,000 Years, it's called Frasier and Cheers. Gentlemen! Yeah. You know, I... I was listening to a rock and roll station on my way over here. You know, it put me in the mood. There was a passage in one of those tribal songs that I feel, uh, well, is the keynote for this evening. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. Sounds good to me. My two favorite things. In fact, I just found out, I just found out yesterday that apparently he's from my hometown, which I didn't realize. Frazier, Kelsey Grammer, and really? he's po- he is promoting his brand new beer, and he was bartending at one of the places in our old hometown. And what is more brilliant than a guy who's on Cheers and obviously has run with that promoting a beer? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Too bad you weren't there. I know. Okay, here we go. That show back to you, canceled after 17 shows. Then you did Hank. There were just 10 of those. Remember, boss, somehow it lasted two years. Kelsey Grammer, why were your shows so bad? After Frasier and Cheers. That's all. Hey, now. That's all. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that, you didn't even get to the irish ditty part there's a guy named kelsey Grammer. he is the greatest when he's on only fraser and cheers was the best but after that he sucked and everyone knows it but he's still fraser crane and we like him uh, and put him to rest thank you yeah, I really could have done that was really good. I could have done like 12 more verses because he's had so many shows since Frasier that were canceled after like 10 episodes. It's True, just a constant but he is career a Marvel failure. hero. And that makes it exciting. And I'm friendly with his ex-wife. And that's and he's sideshow great. Bob, and that's very cool too. That's right. Oh, you know what? I just thought of uh, I the, I forgot to bring this up. The reason this song is called 2000 Years is because that's how long it took us to finish the tease. Nice. Yes. Yes. Take that, Billy Joel, writing all these tea songs and making. Well, you are right about well. Been months and months fault. on this. It's half your fault too. Yeah, mostly. Although, honestly, there could be a case made that this song, if it started with the number two, should have been the first well, song that we did. Chris Pananos put us in the right direction with that. Thank goodness. Otherwise, this podcast would have been starting with two thousand years and Fifty Second Street, and it would have been a disaster for us. Yeah, we wouldn't have the millions of listeners we have now. Exactly. Well, folks, that was 2,000 years, which wraps up the tease. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. 
if Billy ever played this live again, would you like to see a leprechaun dancing around on the stage? Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> Are you surprised he played this right before midnight at the Millennium concert? Would you have liked to hear the 2000 Beers song instead? <laughs> and have you ever had an encounter with a legend like Dave had with Roger Daltrey? Let us know. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Joskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. <laughs> you know, I already missed the tease. And in the evening, after the fire and the lights, one thing is certain, nothing Two.